Well, good evening. This is Dr. Zom, and I was just uh, deciding to do a little impromptu silver and gold sneak attack. Um, I don't know, just got a little inspired the other day. I was listening to uh, Mike Peacock on the Justice's First Dawn podcast, and I thought, you know what? Hey, it might be time to do another show. So anyway, I'm back. I got a hair in my nose, probably one of those white ones that you can't get. I mean, you can get it, but uh, there we go. I think I got it. Either that or my mustache hair is curling up. I uh, did the shaved beaver um, kind of uh, face, which sometimes is a mistake when you're not used to it, because then your your face tends to look like a uh, shaved uh, cooch. And uh, especially when you first do it, after you've had like some uh, facial hair for quite a while, it gets puffy and weird looking. So anyway, I did that for a little bit, and then I decided, hey, you know what, this is ridiculous. <laughs> and uh, I started to let it grow. And then the bad thing is, when you start letting it grow back, then you have to go through the the weird, ugly, and dirty-looking stage. But now the hair is getting there. It's it's still kind of bristly. I don't know. I thought it, it it hasn't gotten to the soft stage yet. It's and and I have a wet dog, wet cold dog nose on my elbow, and uh, so this is a good way to start out. Uh, two mutts. They must have heard me talking because they were sleeping, and now they have decided to join the podcast. What are you looking at? <laughs> Go make a nest. Go make a nest on the bed. Okay? Happy dog. Okay. So anyway, this is go- this is definitely going to be informal because um, I just, uh, there's so much stuff. I've been watching um, a lot of it, of course. Uh, my, my movie um, watching has been impaired by, of course, hockey season. And uh, I'm sure a, a great majority of the people listening to this don't give two shits about hockey. But uh, when hockey season starts up, that's uh, I, I'm pretty much every night watching um, a couple of games, at least one, and then watching replays and flipping back and forth and blah, 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 blah hockey. But um, it's fun. So, uh, you know, I did not watch um, Slapshot or Miracle or Goon, the three the holy trinity of hockey movies but uh, maybe I will next time so when I talk about hockey it can actually be relevant and uh, to, to the movie podcast but uh, I did I have been watching some stuff here lately um, I got caught up in watching another reason um, well not another reason not podcasting we just kind of went on hiatus and you know it's just all kind of just eh, uh, I don't know just kind of gotten put on the on the uh, side burner um because of our different careers and everything with the meatloaf meatloaf <laughs> oh with the pickle loaf yeah <laughs> meatloaf. <laughs> i'm gonna leave that in there because he's probably going to be editing this and uh and producing it anyway so uh but that <laughs> Well, anyway, okay. Uh, maybe I'd need to take a drink. Gulp. That was um, some kind. I don't think it's Bigelow, but it's some kind of 
peppermint tea that I love. And I make it, and I even uh, drink it like uh, as like iced tea, too. Or iced tea, depending on what part of the country you're from. Uh, some people say iced, some people say ice. But I got, I got um, kind of hooked, or not hooked on, well, I did get hooked on watching Boardwalk Empire. Uh, now, that's a show a bunch of my friends have encouraged me to watch for a long, long time. I had the first season, but I I watched like the first episode, and it wasn't that it wasn't good. It's just that watching series, you know, it kind of it takes something it, for me to. I almost have to marathon them when I have time and I'm not doing anything, or I'm stuck and I'm kind of a captive audience. So anyway, <laughs> see nothing changes. Um, I started watching Boardwalk Empire, and I'm loving it. I am at season. I just finished season three. Um, I really, I really, freaking got really got into it, and really, um, it's one of those series that I think the the uh, seasons are only about like ten or twelve, like twelve episodes or something. So it's pretty easy to marathon them over like a like one whole season over a couple nights. Um, there is some fucking crazy ass shit that goes on in this um i've always been interested in like the old gangster stuff from the you know the 20s and 30s and even back to like the gangs of new york stuff around the after the civil war during the civil war um my sister got me a really good um comprehensive uh, biography of al capone and our college library used library library used to have a whole like several different books on the chicago and new york mafias and um, or the outfit in chicago Ooh. um so i i like this uh show it's kind of like um um what the fuck's the goddamn show that i like to watch about the pirates <laughs> I can't even fucking remember. But anyway, they meld fictional characters with um with real life characters and it's really good and it's got some some sex in it, like some titty and some some uh like screwing and some K Parker kind of stuff, you know, if you if you uh are down with the old school porn, you'll understand that reference. And uh and then you you have a whole shitload of really good actors that like Steve Buscemi is in it, uh, Kelly McDonald, Michael Shannon. Um, oh Jesus Christ! There's so many of them in here. Gretchen Maul is she gets naked a lot, uh, and I'm sure a lot of you guys probably have already watched this. Michael Pitt's really good in it. Um, Dabney Coleman shows up. I was like, who the f-? you know? At first, I was like, who the fuck's this guy? And it was Dabney Coleman. Um, William Forsyth. I'm trying to think of other ones that are, but everybody in it's really good. And uh, like I said, I just finished the third season, and I think Chalky White might be my one of my favorites. He, uh, that that actor, which I, of course I don't have up, so I I, I can't. Uh, okay, there it is. Michael Kenneth Williams. Now he plays Leonard in Hap and Leonard, which is another show that I really like that I had been watching. Um, so anyway, um, I really like this show. I'm going to continue on now. Several people have told me that um, it starts kind of like every other show when it's been on for so long. After a while, it kind of starts uh, getting not as good. 
I haven't done a podcast in a while, so you know my brain isn't working correctly, and my uh, I'm having a little bit of a lapse. So maybe it's because I'm getting old too. Who knows? But anyway, so Boardwalk Empire, if you haven't watched it, check it out. Uh, this is one that I would probably uh, uh, do a repeat, repeat viewing of. Michael Shannon is fucking awesome in it. And uh, I said many times that I would watch um, a standalone series with Michael Shannon and Paz de la Huerta. Uh, <laughs> that, that combination is fucking pretty goddamn fucking funny. And Michael Shannon, even though I don't think he's supposed to be funny he makes me laugh in this my uh his uh what's his name in this uh van asshole so anyway that's a good show that's that's one thing besides hockey that was uh kind of meh keeping me from doing anything uh movie watching now of course just like old times on silver and gold uh i did my list of stuff that i've been watching and when i brought up my imdb and got it prepared for the show because i wanted to be prepared i fucking did the the list in reverse um so instead of trying to go and redo it i'm lazy i'm just going to start with the stuff that i've watched uh more recently, which I'll have a better memory of, and then go to the shit that I watched probably goddamn, I don't know how many, like a month or so ago. Um, but the other night, a friend of mine, uh, we watched uh, For a Few Dollars More from 1965. Sergio Leone, written and directed. This is like a goddamn masterpiece. This is um, my favorite of the three Sergio Leone westerns. Um I don't know if we talked about this before. It's been so goddamn long. We've done so many fucking podcasts and shit that I, it's it's hard to remember. Um, now, I thought... See, I'm looking at IMDB, and it says Clint Eastwood's character. Of course, they always called him the man with no name. And I thought his name was Manco. Like M-A-N-C-O. But it says Monco. Now, I don't know what that means. Maybe that means something in Italian. But since this is a Western, I'm just going to... Monco, but they don't say his name hardly at all in the damn movie. If they say it, if they do say it at all, I don't remember. Uh, but my favorite character in this is um, Colonel Douglas Mortimer, uh, played by Lee, by Lee Van Cleef. Um, of course, Clint is cool as shit as usual. He's really young in this, and you know, he's uh, I love when he fucking um, at the very beginning they show each, they show the the two bounty hunters kind of uh, and. Uh, and Indio, the three main guys, and they show them each, give them a little, you know, so you'll know what they're all about. And um, Clint's character, uh, first of all, Leone just picks these people with these great fucking faces. I mean, his extras in these are just like a rogues gallery of odd, strange. He'll pick people that have like snaggle, to- snaggle teeth, snaggle tooth whatever um and just guys that are fat and greasy or you know klaus kinski has a fucking humpback and uh when lee van cleef fucks with him his fucking he gets this nervous twitch because he's so fucking mad he is one wild <laughs> one wild one wild the hunchback um so anyway you know it's nice to see klaus in there even though he's you know believing whatever you believe uh pretty repulsive fucking human being <laughs> i have his biography um and i believe that uh you know um Werner herzog said that when he 
uh, when Klaus was writing his biography that they both sat down and tried to come up with the, you know, like it, it was a collaboration of, of trying to come up with the most repulsive shit that they could come up with to put in there. Like, uh, Kinski, I think fucking his mother or some shit like that or whatever. But then, you know, it comes out later on that the stuff about him and his daughter. So, you know, it's nothing to laugh about if that's true. So, you know, maybe, maybe they didn't have to fight too hard to come up with some fucking repulsive shit. But anyway, he's just a small character in this though. He is really good. There was a, it seems like, um, Kinski, if you look up his, his biography, um, or not his biography, but his filmography. There, there were several different movies that, like this, that um, he only has like kind of a bit part in it, but he really stands out. You know, he's got that look and everything, and and just even for like a, a small part, he really you know chews up the the scenery. Um, but anyway, I love the part at the beginning when when uh, the um, one the bad guy's I think brother is getting a shave. And he, you know, somebody comes over and says, hey, something's going on over at the saloon. And not only does he stop the barber in mid-shave, so he has like half a beard, half a, a growth of stubble, and he looks like a fucking idiot, but... <laughs> these bad guys always have to abuse they're all bullies and they always have to abuse people that are like meek and so he 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 grabs the barber's wrist and makes him stop but then when he gets up he wipes the um the uh shaving cream or lather off of off of uh his face and then takes the towel and just throws it over the barber's fucking head like he's like a, a goddamn uh I don't know what you call it, a coat rack or something. Uh, of course, the barber doesn't do anything because he's just some little old man. But um, when Clint does his thing, you know, when he first of all, um, I notice he never he never punches or karate chops, and that's another thing. He's a, he's a fucking um, uh, cowboy in the in the old west, but he does the judo chop like several times. Um, but he never. This is one thing he never does it with his gun hand. So being a you know uh, a professional uh, killer bounty killer, um, he never punches uh, anybody with his gun hand. He uses his left hand. So I guess that's his bitch slap hand or his judo chop hand. And then the other one is his gun hand. And um, there's nothing cooler than when Clint shoots fucking somebody and then does the the uh, the gun twirl on his finger right into the fucking holster and it's so smooth it's just like and right in there real smooth and then he takes his little i don't know like poncho thing and just drapes it back over because it's like okay i'm done with business uh i think he did that in um fistful of dollars too when they uh when they shot his shot the fucking scared the mule or whatever or his donkey that he was riding or whatever the i think it was a donkey and um or no it was a mule because he's like my mule don't like people laughing you know, so anyway, he does the he he kills a whole fucking bunch of he's like a weapon of mass destruction. But I do like Colonel Douglas Mortimer because number one, he's got all the goddamn different fucking guns. When he shoots that snaggletooth fucker at the beginning, that's in like the whorehouse, the guy jumps off the roof. Hey, Mary, what are you doing? Why do you need attention now? A little while ago, you just wanted to snooze. But anyway, this fucking ugly snaggletooth motherfucker, he he um Mortimer you know goes up to kill him and he jumps off the the uh the roof of the um saloon or whorehouse and goes to take off well 
when Mortimer comes out, he's kind of like a James Bond sort of uh, cowboy because he's got all these different weapons. He's like a, a uh, weapons specialist. And he has this... Um, like satchel thing on the side of his horse that like goes a whole almost like the whole length of his horse that has like his rifles and stuff in it. He's got a pistol in there that fucking I swear to God the goddamn barrel on it is as long as my fucking arm. But I like that scene and I like when um, he and Clint have like kind of a a uh, macho standoff and uh, Clint fucks with him and stomps uh, like grinds his cowboy boot heel or whatever into into a Mortimer's fucking cowboy boot. And then Mortimer does it to him like, oh, I can play this game too. Well, uh, Manco or Monco or whatever, he just fucking, fucking hauls up and just knocks the shit out of him. So this movie is really good. Uh, Indio, played by Jean-Marie Volante, he's like a, I, I love that guy he, in just about everything that he was in. He was a fucking lefty commie uh kind of like me um so anyway that kind of <laughs> was like we're we're like uh like uh i don't know what the fuck we are i don't know we're not like the the other guy that that's uh uh indio not the not the giant big heavy guy but um uh luigi pastili plays i love these names cuz i never knew these names until i started looking at um at imdb his name is groggy Member of Indio's gang, Groggy. And uh, then you have like a Juan Wild, which was Klaus Kinski. I'm trying to see if there's any other. Uh, but, well, of course, you know, let's see. Uh, this train does not go to Tucumcari. You know, I sort of got. If, I, I think I watched this. They used to show this this movie and um, James Bond movies and Fistful of Dollars and, and um, um, oh, the other. Uh, these kind of movies they would show them on like the Sunday night movie on like ABC when I was a little kid when you only had three channels and they all ran over two hours so you know they they would run into like the local news and then you know or sometimes it would seem like some of these movies they would do like a uh, kind of like a double feature they'd show like an hour and a half of it and then like the next night or something they would show the rest of it it was fucked up but anyway you know you had a lot of uh, you had some um um, commercials so you could go take a shit. Anyway, <laughs> the next movie I watched was uh, 2007's uh, Death Proof uh, with Quentin Tarantino written and directed. Um, this one is one of those ones that's kind of, uh, it splits the um, the uh, our society, I guess, of uh, cinemaphiles. Cinemaphiles. <laughs> It's it splits everybody down the middle, or I don't know if it splits them down the middle or not. But it, some people like it, some people uh, like it, but are annoyed by the women's uh, Quentin Tarantino banter. Um, I know we've probably talked about this on the show, but it's been so goddamn long since we did a fucking show. I'm gonna talk about it anyway, a little bit, not a lot. I just I'm sitting at home, I have the night off, and I'm bored. So that's why you get the podcast. <laughs> okay. Um, I will say this. I, I like this movie, but I do understand exactly what everybody's talking about, about Tarantino and his dialogue, where everybody talks like Quentin Tarantino. And you have these girls. Okay, you have two sets of, of, of women. I shouldn't say girls or ladies or whatever. I don't know what's politically correct, but I will say women. Um, you have the first group... Um, and they're just kind of uh, people that live... They're like townies that live in this town. You have Jungle Julia, who's just goddamn fucking stunning. 
I think that's uh, Sydney Poitier's uh, daughter. Um, Jungle Julia is Sydney Tamelia uh, Poitier. So she is Sydney Poitier's daughter. And holy shit, is she good looking. Uh, I agree with uh, Stuntman Mike when he was like, my God, look at that hair. She is just uh, all legs and hair. And she kind of has a bitchy attitude, but so do all the rest of them in that that, that little group. Um, and they want to um, um, go out and, you know, party. And it's just kind of, I don't know. Like I said, it, Quentin Tarantino is kind of like a, a daffy duck, the way he talks anyway, real fast. And, you know, okay, and okay. Yeah, yeah. And the, he has... All the girls, women, ladies in this movie uh, speak his dialogue. Now, it might be sexist to say, you know, okay, um, that Jungle Julia would know who Zatoichi is or, you know, but I, yeah, who knows these days? We have a, there's, whatever. Maybe I'm wrong about this. <laughs> but um, it's annoying. Now, I will say this. The first group of girls uh, with Jungle Julia, Shanna Banana, and um, uh, Butterfly, they don't annoy me as much as the second group. Um, the first group, uh, they kind of have, they're, they're just going out and they're talking about girl stuff. Like uh, they want to, they're, they're going to go have a girl's night and the one dude stands up. Um, uh, oh, did he stand up? Oh, he st- he st- I think he stands up Jungle Julia. And he's like a movie producer guy and everything. And they're talking about getting some weed and shit. Meanwhile, in the um, honky-tonk or dive bar or whatever the fuck you want to call it, um, Tarantino, he always has... I think he, is, he always... like Kind of like Martin Scorsese, he always has it in his head, a soundtrack for a movie. And the movie is just constantly... Like every two minutes... Uh, you have a shot of the jukebox flipping over a fucking 45 and playing a different song, which, you know, is something that he's heard that he likes that he wants to fit into the movie. Um, and at the same time, you have Stuntman Mike uh, sitting at the bar having a conversation with Rose McGowan, who plays Pam. And Rose McGowan has this, like, uh, I don't know if it was a wig or not. Now, here recently, Rose McGowan has really went with the short fucking hair like she shaved her head and then she um now she's gone with the real short hair look and she's dropped off the fucking face of the fucking earth as far as movies go i saw something the other day on on facebook where she was talking about how she you know she loves the uh being out of the i guess the movie business and all the sexism and how that you know they they would if you get a role they would want you to like have your a fucking shirt on with your nipples sticking out or, you know, like scream. I don't know what. But, I mean, that's just an example of how they over-sexualize all the women and everything. Now, the last thing I remember that she was going to be in was Red Sonia, but then she, like, fell off a fucking horse or something and got hurt. And then that got scrapped. And I don't know if I've seen her in anything here recently or not. But she's pretty good in this. She plays, like, a kind of a hippie chick. And um, I guess she's kind of intrigued by stuntman mike and one scene that i really like in this uh my friend brian and i were watching it the other night was um and it, it never struck me before but like all the hot chicks are like over in the corner jungle julia and and um and and uh a bunch of those girls and then 
stuntman Mike's like holding court at the uh, at the bar uh, with Rose McGowan, and then there's these three kind of um, nerdy girls, and he's telling them all about like how he doubled for Lee Majors and uh, and um, oh fuck, what the hell was the other the um, oh shit, it wasn't. Um, the, maybe the Virginian or some show like that, and he's he's going through all this shit that he had he had done, which was like in like 1960s uh, TV shows, and he goes, "Does any of this mean anything?" Because they're sitting there with a blank look on their face, and then they're like, "No," you know. So he realizes that he's uh, like me, stuntman, old man, and uh, you kind of get that every once in a while with the younger generation. Uh, but it all comes to pass because even though they look at you like you're an old man, uh, someday some young kid's going to be looking at them. And they're going to say, hey, you know something about David Lee Roth being the lead singer of Van Halen. And they'll be like, David Lee Roth wasn't the lead singer of Van Halen. Sammy Hagar was. I had that happen one time. And that even dates me right now because you know, younger people today probably don't even know who the fuck Sammy Hagar is. <laughs> but um, anyway... Eli Roth is in this, uh, the Bear Jew. I have to give him a shout-out because he's the Bear Jew. Um, he and this other guy are two assholes at the bar. You know, they're just locals, too, and they're trying to get get laid. And, of course, then they are, they are uh, making fun of Stuntman Mike, which I kind of w- wanted... I would have liked to have seen Stuntman Mike, like, do something to them. Uh, but, you know, eh, he gets his... He gets off in a different way, uh, which Michael Parks, I love how he um, explains that um, he thinks that the, the killings are, are purely sexual and it's the only way that that sick Frankenstein in there can shoot his goo. <laughs> so, I, I love this movie. It's just fucking funny. It's it's not supposed to be funny, I don't think, because there's a lot of uh, semi-mics, like kind of a... Uh, a serial killer or whatever but it's still funny to me um like uh mary elizabeth winstead in the um cheerleading outfit which is awesome and then you have the foot fetish thing um we we got my my friend had never seen this and when uh, kurt russell sticks his tongue out to uh I think he was trying, like he was either smelling or trying to lick the bottom of rosario dawson's foot which you know uh most of the time, unless somebody just gets out of the shower or out, of, you know, <laughs> has just washed, their feet probably aren't going to be like the the cleanest in the world, even if they're wearing shoes. But you know, some of those foot fetish dudes, man, they 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 don't want clean feet. They want that that I don't know, like cheesy smell, maybe I don't know. But anyway, I I still recommend this, man. It's got some fucking hellacious fucking stunts in it. And one thing I was thinking is, uh, well, first of all. You have to go through all this banter with Zoe Bell, who I love Zoe Bell. Uh, I think she's an awesome uh, stunt person. Um, when she, even in um, Hateful Eight, um, she kind of has this bouncy, and uh, you know, maybe that's her attitude, that's her, well, how she is or whatever, but she has this bouncy kind of uh, attitude, and it, it just fucking annoys the shit out of me in this movie. <laughs> The, the the space and time between uh stuntman stuntman Bert uh <laughs> licking and sniffing Rosario Dawson's feet at the seven uh, eleven or what it, whatever it was. Uh and and the time where they have the grand finale, the the final chase scene is so fucking annoying and I know this chase scene is coming and I know it's so goddamn awesome and it is fucking awesome. <laughs> 
but it is a grind to get through those um, let's see wasn't there like let's see you had Rosario Dawson you had Mary Elizabeth Winstead Zoe Bell and uh, I guess it's Tracy Toms plays Kim um, those girls together are annoying as shit and so then about the time that Stuntman Mike wants to kill these people I don't know I I'm, I think they do that in a lot of um, horror movies where the, the, the women or the guys whoever the victims are are such obnoxious assholes that you kind of are almost rooting for the bad guy I don't know maybe that's just me maybe that says something about me but the what, the one thing I was going to say was I'm I'm watching this final uh, chase scene, and they did it all, you know, with real stuntmen and real cars, just like in the old days before CGI. But then I'm thinking, you know, here's Zoe Bell out on the fucking hood of this goddamn car, and you know how the fuck she hangs on when she is face first toward the end, the front end of the car. I mean, there's nothing to hang on to. I don't know if she hooks her feet up by the windshield or what. Um, but I started thinking, okay, it's great for film, uh, and it's awesome to see this old school stunt stuff. But what if somebody got actually really got hurt, or somebody got killed making this when you can do it with CGI? And I know, the, okay, some of the old, some of the when they first started doing car chases with CGI, um, you can really tell. Uh, especially when they they do it with regular cars, and then they like a car flips, but they you they switch to CGI for that. But it's kind of it takes into a, a question of responsibility. If somebody would have really gotten hurt bad, or if somebody would have gotten killed, uh, is it worth it when you can do it with CGI? So that's a question to throw out to the rest of the rest of the group. We still have a group. I think we have like three hundred and some members. I don't know. Uh, it seems like we got a, a few more somewhere. I don't know if Loaf added people or if somebody else added people. Uh, we were stuck at, uh, uh, I can't remember what number it was for a long time, and now it seems like it went up a little bit. But I might be delusional. I'll have to ask Meatloaf. <laughs> okay, next movie I fucking watched uh, was 1969's The Bridge at Remagen. Now, this is the the big recommend for me, Um for this week's episode. <laughs> well, next week's episode might be like uh, June of next year. I don't know, but um, you know, you get a you get a wild hair. This podcasting thing, you know, after when you haven't done it, when you do it for a long, long time, especially when it's when it's hard to get together with the, you know, the principles involved uh, as far as um, like I said, our schedules and shit like that. And then you do so many of them, it almost becomes almost kind of like a. Not a grind because I always enjoy doing it, but you you um when you pick two movies and then you say, Okay, I have to watch these movies, I have to watch these movies, I have to watch these movies, then I tend to revert to my old high school or college days where even though I have to watch these fucking movies, I will wait till the last goddamn second. I'll watch everything else but them, put them off, put them off, put them off. It helps to remember the movie. Uh, when you watch it right before the show, but it's really just, I don't know, it's some kind of procrastinating thing. It feels almost like homework. Um, but anyway, 
uh, the Bridget Ramagan. This movie is really, really fucking good. And I got it in like a, it's like in one of those three pack uh, deals with, um, oh Jesus Christ, I can't even see the thing, but I don't want to click on it right now because then it'll fuck up my IMDb. But it comes in, well, that says a two pack action. It's the it's the uh, William Holden, Cliff Robertson movie with. Um, it's kind of like a, a Dirty Dozen thing where they get the Canadian Dirty Dozen guys and train and, you know, do all the hijinks and training and all that shit. And then there's another one. Oh, shit. I can't remember what it is now, but I'm not going to go into that. But it comes in like a little set for that. I'm sure you can you can get it. Uh, I have the just the regular one, too, but I, I loaned it to somebody and they gave me the box back and didn't give me the fucking movie back. I'm trying to figure out who that is because it kind of pisses me off. But this movie, um, of course, it's the same theme, and it's based on a true story uh, in World War II about um, the Americans trying to capture this uh, Remagen Bridge um, toward the end of World War II before the Germans can blow it up. Um, and, of course, um, Bridge Too Far is this huge... Uh, all-star cast. I remember when they made it and all the, the, the buzz about this movie because it had like James Caan and Robert Redford and fucking Sean Connery and Gene Hackman. Every goddamn star you could think of was in A Bridge Too Far. Um, and that's a really good movie. I really like it. Uh, the, uh, the only you know thing that I have about that movie is Gene Hackman is a Polish uh, you know uh, army like general and he has this fucking Accent. I don't know what Gene Hackman was going for, but it, he should have just spoke the way he always talks. Like, instead of Germans, he says Germans. I don't know. It just fucking was shitty. He was good in it, but that that sucked. But anyway, this is, a, I think, a, let's see. who. This is directed by John Gilerman or Gilerman and written by Richard Yates. Uh, I think it's a David L. Walter production. So this is a pretty big, uh, uh, a big film itself. You have uh, George Siegel. The two main, the two. Well, there's three main characters in this. You had the two main American characters, which are. Or I was thought it was going to burp, but I didn't. Uh, uh, here we go. You have George Siegel and Ben Gazzara, and both of them are fucking awesome in this. Uh, and Robert Vaughn, who uh, was in The Magnificent Seven, Man from Uncle. It's funny because Robert Vaughn played a hero in Man from Uncle, um, Napoleon Solo, for for so long. And then he said after that, he goes, he, he never got to play a, like a good guy after that. He always played an asshole or a bad guy. And in this, he plays um, a German. But he kind of he kind of has. Um, that's what I like about this movie. It kind of comes from a human perspective. Um, there's a lot of fucking really good battle and action sequences in this. Um, the the fucking tank shit in it is is really good, and uh, the artillery and stuff. I mean, it's just if this is one of those movies. If you have surround sound and you crank it up, people will probably think that the fucking third world war has started uh, because there's some scenes in this man where some tanks are fucking going bad out of hell on a road, firing their fucking you know uh, guns at the exact same time across the river at these fucking Nazis uh, on the other side of the fucking river, and it's just awesome and trains and shit. Um, but like I said, the the the, the kind of human factor in this is what I like because um, you have uh, what's that? Bradford Dillman, okay, E.G. Marshall, who is a fucking great. Um, 
he is a general and he is the guy that gives them you know of course gives them the orders and bradford dillman is like uh the guy under him and he has to tell the grunts you know the bad news that they had to keep going these guys are fucking exhausted they're they're ready to fucking drop and uh oh man that hair is killing me <clears throat> okay um and then you know Siegel and his men, which I mean, what a there's like a whole shitload of cool guy. Bo Hopkins is there. Um, oh shit, what the hell was that? Ah, God damn it! Um, I'm trying to think some of these other guys. But anyway, all the guy the guys in uh, George Siegel's unit are people that have, you've seen before in movies. You'll recognize them as soon as you fucking see them. Um, and then you have. Um, Let's see, Vit Almer, uh, and who else is in this that's really good? Peter von Eck as General von Brock, uh, <laughs> Hans Christian Blech, and Heinz Rank. Uh, you have a lot of fucking um, um, real uh, Germans in this. And you have some pretty hot fucking chicks in it. Anna Gale and uh, Sonja Zimon. You have, uh, I, I don't know if it was Anna Gale is the one girl in this holy shit she she takes her shirt off so you know this is an r-rated movie uh for george siegel and man she's uh looks nice um ben gazara is really good in this he's kind of like the scrounger guy and he and george george siegel just looks at him like he is a complete piece of shit because he's the guy that after a battle goes around uh fleecing the dead bodies for like watch wrist watches and shit and he says you know Everybody else is getting rich off this war. Why shouldn't I? But he's really cool, you know. He's the guy that, in the whole movie, just the way he wears his hat, the way he acts and everything, he'd be kind of like the Steve McQueen guy, you know. Uh, Even though he uh, is second to George Siegel, he fucking chews up the scenery. He's the guy that you fucking focus on. He's the guy with all the charisma. Bradford Dillman is a fucking great actor, and he plays a dick in every movie he's in. He fucking kind of plays a dick in this one, too, because he's the guy that that is telling everybody, you know, men, you know, I know you you haven't slept in 32 hours, but we have to keep going and get to this place, and we have to do this and that. And they're like, fuck you. And he goes, but I know, you know, I'll, I'll make sure that you get a, a medal or a citation or something. And they're like, fuck you. They don't give a shit. They just want to survive, and but they know they have to do their job and everything. So it's this is a really fucking good World War Two movie. If you, if nobody's seen, if if you guys haven't seen it before, big fucking recommend on this one. I really liked it. Next movie, meh. Okay, now this is a really authentic uh, war movie too, uh, and I think it matches up to like uh, Bridge for Morgan and Bridge Too Far. It's called GI Joe Retaliation from 2013. <laughs> Okay, this fucking piece of shit was on TV the other night, and I watched it. And you know what? I say it's a piece of shit, but for what it is... uh, Okay, first of all, uh, Channing Tatum... I saw the first G.I. Joe movie, and now that was a piece of shit. I hated that fucking movie. Uh, And my friend has watched it several times, and he'll put it in, and I'm just like, I can't even watch this shit. This is awful. Now this one, maybe it's because it has the rock in it and he's the 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 lead um and Channing Tatum um uh, I don't want to give anything away for people that haven't seen it, but 
I like Channing Tatum in that fucking Coen Brothers movie. That's about the first thing I've seen him in that I liked him in because... And, and well, no, I will say this. I liked him in Hateful Eight, too. Um, but for some reason, the guy... I don't know. Eh. He didn't do it for me. But this was directed by John M. Chu and written by Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick. Now, these guys wrote this. I guess there's a script. Um, but see... I played with G.I. Joes, the like 16-inch uh, action figures or whatever when I was a kid, about three bucks a piece. But when they when they shrunk down to about like uh, four inches and they had the cartoon and everything, I never watched it. So I don't know any of these characters. I don't know anything about it. But um, this one, for just dumb fun and a lot of dumb action... It was pretty good, you know. I called it a piece of shit, but, you know, a piece of shit can be, you know, not bad, too. First of all, they have some fucking hot girls in this. Oh, my God. Um, and I like Arnold Vosloo from, um, the hell was he in? The Mummy and from um, Hard Target. Um, I like the action in it. Ray Stevenson, I don't know that accent he was doing. I guess he's British. English, um, but he, um, I always like him, eh, I don't like that firefly thing, with all them little firefly things that explode, I didn't get that too much, uh, Jonathan Price is in this, he's a good actor, uh, The Rock is, you know, fucking, just goddamn has charisma oozing out of his pores, and he's big, and fucking, you know, doing his rock thing, uh, he's pretty good, um, I like Storm Shadow, Byung Hoon Lee, He's always good in just about everything I've seen him in. Um, but like I said, this is kind of... And that Luke Bra- Luke Bracey, uh, he was Cobra Commander. But, you know, that motherfucker, anybody could have been Cobra Commander. Um, but he was in that goddamn shit fucking remake of uh, Point, uh, Point Break. So I don't know about that dude. But this movie is, you know, like I said, and the RZA is in it uh, as the blind master. I always get a chuckle out of that. And I, I you know, all respects to the RZA uh, because he loves um, um, kung fu movies and shit like that. And uh, so that's cool. I like that. Uh, Ray Park, of course, is, you know, does all the snake eyes fucking, you know, kung fu and shit, which is awesome. But they, like I said, uh, you know, the stunts and stuff in it, yeah, it was, it was all right. It was a dumb movie, but, you know. It was it was it was fun to watch. Um, next movie I watched, another dumb movie that's just fun to watch is uh, 1976 Taxi Driver. <laughs> I like throw a curveball in there, you know, with the setup. Uh, directed by Martin Scorsese, written by Paul Schrader. This is on our Comcast uh, in demand uh, for free, and it's uh, in HD, so it looks really fucking great. Uh, of course, you know everybody that listens to this show knows this movie. It's the uh, you know, story of Travis Bickle, who uh, is a Vietnam vet, and he comes back, and he, he, I guess, has like a post-traumatic stress and can't sleep, and he just wants to drive a taxi because he can't sleep. Well, you know, he's a little bit, little, little strange. He's he's a little odd. Um, it's still creepy. The the Jodie Foster shit because she's so goddamn young. She's like 13 years old or something. 12 or 13 and she's a prostitute in this which you know hey you know that's it's creepy and it's supposed to be creepy um so that's 
you know, it's kind of cool. I remember they gave, I think they gave like Scorsese a lot of shit about casting her in this, but it wouldn't have worked if you would have had like a, uh, some 18 year old or 19 year old girl pretending to be, you know, what, unless you got the porn star, little Cinderella, which they used her in, um, boogie nights. And she just, I mean, she's like a grown woman, but she's just so, oh, she looks, she's emaciated. And, and that's kind of goes with that, uh, whole, ugh, I don't even, you know, like ugh, underage looking porn shit or something. But anyway, but still, you know, it's, it, you know, it is what it is. And, and it was supposed to be a really sleazy, gross, shitty, you know, uh, time. Man, these gl- headphones are killing my glasses, Urgh, making my ears hurt. Um, but this is a fucking great movie. Um, Sybil Shepherd is just fucking hot as hell in this. Uh, she's not quite as, uh, you know, for some reason I always want to compare her to Candace Bergen. Candace Bergen was really pretty, but man, she was a fucking chunk of wood as far as being an actress. Sybil Shepherd's not that bad. She's really fucking hot in this. Um, I like, um, what's his face? Albert Brooks is the guy that kind of, um, he works with her and he has like a crush on her, but Albert Brooks is always good. He's always fucking funny and kind of, uh, you know, a, a quick witted motherfucker. Um, and Peter Boyle's always, is, is always good too. Um, I like this movie. You get the slow burn and then at the end it just, it just fucking explodes. Um, kind of reminded me of an episode. I watched of boardwalk empire the other day. Gotta have a drink. Daddy. Oh, a little parched. Not used to talking into the uh, headphones, if you will. Taxi Driver is just a fucking great movie. Everybody's seen it. I'd, I would love to get a framed poster um, of a movie poster of Taxi Driver. That would be awesome to put on my wall of my abode. Now, this one is a, I mean, you know, it's a documentary, so I'll throw it in there. But for you wrestling fans, uh, the, resurrection, <laughs> the Resurrection of Jake the Snake, um, a 2015 documentary about... Uh, Jake the Snake Roberts and all his uh, problems with uh, drugs and alcohol. And uh, talk about post-traumatic stress. I mean, this guy is so fucked up. Uh, it's easy sometimes to sit back and say, you know, talk about, you know, somebody who's addicted, you know, and like, why don't they, you know, they're full of shit and all this and that and everything. But this guy, I mean, you know, you go back to how he was brought up and the shit that his dad did to the whole fucking family. Not only him, but I mean, it's confirmed to his sister and, you know, um, like with sexual abuse and, uh, the guy was a fucking pedophile and a, and a goddamn, you know, child or child rapist and of, you know, with his own kids and stuff. Um, but you know, so that's something that can really, and then, you know, played a lot of fucking bullshit, um, head games with his kids, you know, with the, you'll never be anything, you, you know, you're, you're, you're nothing without me. You'll never be anything, you know, just real abusive psychologically, physically, sexually and everything. And, you know, this guy's a grown man now, but that shit doesn't go away. You carry it forever. And that's a lot of his problems, you know, um, stem from that, I'm sure. And, but it's, it's a, some people, I know some people have said, you know, how much of it was, um, I don't know if I'd say staged or, you know, how much of it is Jake working because, you know, being a wrestler, you know, he's a worker, work the crowd, whatever. Um, but no matter what, the guy has the issues that he has. And, you know, uh, Diamond Dallas Page, um, who's known for like, you know, there's a lot of people in wrestling that, that 
say Paige is annoying because he really, he's like in a like power of positive thinking and he is the kind of guy while all the other guys are backstabbing and talking shit on people he's uh, he'll say you know I, I watched one of his shoot interviews and they'd try and ask him questions about like uh, who was a dick or who's a and he's just like I don't want to I don't even want to go there I don't even want to get into that like he he from the how he portrays himself you know and I hope this is the way he is you know he really says you know just talking shit on people or uh, focusing on the negative and stuff like that it it doesn't do anything for you you know and blah 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 blah. so i really like that and he you know does the yoga thing and so that and and a lot of people were questioning this documentary as far as was it just a money-making thing to uh get ddp's yoga uh stuff out like an advertisement for that or also uh for kickstarters for jake and for um scott hall you know uh, uh they both needed surgeries and you know were they just working the marks to get money i don't know if i you know you believe what you want to believe <coughs> all documentaries are a certain part uh they're telling a story and they want the story to be interesting so it's going to be produced it's going to be whatever uh but i still i still liked it and they did a good job. It entertained me, but not only that, it made me, you know, it makes you feel something. And, and it's, I, I thought it was pretty good. So I think even if you're not a wrestling fan, you might enjoy this um, because it does have to do with the struggle, you know, inner struggles with people and, and addiction and stuff like that. Uh, next thing I watched was, now this was a really good one too, you know, as far as, uh, I like to call them, call them war movies or, you know, some people, somebody posted a thing on a, I think cinema discussions or something like that group the other day about uh you know what's the best army movie you know and, you know then some people come back and, well army was it army you know marines navy everything's not lumped into army or i just call them war movies uh the siege at firebase gloria from 1989 uh this was a uh, directed by brian trenchard smith uh written by william nagel and tony johnston stars wings hauser and arlie ermy um this was also it's also on uh comcast in demand if you want to watch it for free um good fucking movie now when you have movies like platoon and um trying to think of some other really good um vietnam war movies like big budget vietnam war movies there's a shitload of them out there but um this one i don't think i remember brian trenchard smith talking about it um, just going from memory and everything. I don't think it was like a huge budget movie, but it's really. I've heard several people on like some uh, message boards and groups and stuff like that that um, that I have read that you know when they ask veterans, you know about uh, uh, Vietnam movies that are realistic, you know a lot of them point to this movie and say, yeah, this was you know this is how it was. This is a very realistic movie. Um, I really dug it. Uh, dig it, yeah. Um, of course, Arlie Ermy, you know, was in Vietnam, and so you're gonna, if you have him as a technical advisor, you can't go wrong because that motherfucker, you know, he lived it. Um, I the first time I saw him was in Boys from Company C, where he played a drill instructor, and then of course, he kind of reprised that role, but in a almost psychotic way in um, Full Metal Jacket. He's been in a ton of shit. He was in another movie that I watched. I'll talk about here shortly. Mm. my pipes 
had to lubricate the pipes, daddy. Um, but this is really good. Wings Hauser is fucking awesome in this. Um, this guy, talk about chewing some scenery and stuff. He's got a bit of craziness going on. Um, but also, I like the uh, camaraderie between him and, um, what the fuck was, uh, Bill Hafner. So I guess he was the, um, what do you call it? Uh, Sergeant Major, and then um, Wings Hauser was his corporal, Dinardo, and um, I guess Dinardo had been, I don't know if he had been a sergeant, or if he was like a lieutenant or captain or whatever, but he did something and he got busted all the way down to corporal. Uh, This movie is pretty fucking, um, pulls no punches, like as far as uh, 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 shooting um, wounded North Vietnam Vietnamese or Viet Cong soldiers torturing people uh, like the scene in um, the hospital they have these nurses there and uh, you know Wingshauser well, you know, I, I, I'm not sure why he would take the captured soldier to the hospital to torture him you know when they all have they all have these uh, their hooches or you know bunkers or whatever he takes him in there right in front of the nurses and doctors and stuff and is like torturing this guy. And, uh, you know, it's a pretty good scene there where, you know, the the, the uh, head nurse or whatever, uh, doctor, um, calls him an animal and then he explains in his mind why he isn't an animal. And you have him and Pee Wee, which, you know, of course, well, you know, I was going to say, of course, you know, the, the fate of Pee Wee, but you really don't because it wasn't what I thought was going to happen. Um but it's really good, and not only that, but it also shows a perspective from the North Vietnamese side um, with the general over there and uh, one of his uh, subordinates. So, I mean, this is really good. If you haven't seen it, I, th- I think most of the people in our groups have uh, probably seen this, but it's really good. And it's a, it's a definite rewatcher too. Dig. Okay, the next movie I watched was the second movie with uh, R. Lee Ermey. Um, and this is Switchback from 1997. I believe this might be on Netflix. It's either on Netflix or Comcast in demand. I think it's on Netflix. But I watched this in the theater uh, when it first came out um, and was kind of middle of the road. Didn't think it was like really great or anything. I uh, hadn't seen it in a long time, so I... That goddamn hair is bugging me. I think I got it that time. Um, it's not horrible. It's not great by any mean by any measure. Has R. Lee Ermey in it. Um, uh, of course, Dennis Quaid is the main character. You have um, Danny Glover, uh, William Fickner, and a very young Jared Leto. And so you get to see Jared Leto, especially after watching Suicide Squad. It's kind of cool to go back and watch him in when uh, he's first uh, getting into the business. Um, this is a serial killer movie. Uh, Dennis Quaid is the frowny, never-smile, FBI-obsessed guy chasing after this serial killer kidnapper dude. And, uh, <coughs> excuse moi, need to hit the cough button there for a second. Still works. Um, Danny Glover is pretty good in this. Um, he's sort of kind of a different kind of a character. You go along there for a while, and you're not really sure... I guess, um, who the killer is. And then everybody in the fucking movie is confused about, uh, 
because the killer kind of puts out some disinformation or whatever. and So you don't know who's who a little bit. Uh, Danny Glover's car is pretty fucking awesome. Uh, he has this, uh, I think, big Cadillac. And um, he takes uh, naked pictures of women. Like the whole roof on the inside and the interior is nothing but naked pictures of women. The um, seat belt straps are covered with naked pictures of women. The dashboard. It's pretty fucking pervy and weird. <laughs> and I would not take a ride from, no matter if I was hitchhiking or not, I would not take a ride from some fucking weirdo that had, you know, porn pictures. Uh, he deliberately, and I'm not talking about a few here and there. It's like wallpapered, so it's kind of weird. It's all right. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's an okay movie. It's one of those movies that takes place out in the in the winter, so if you like those uh, snowy movies, check it out. Um, I watched uh, Indian Fighter, another Comcast in demand. What's funny is the Comcast in demand, which gives me free movies uh, to watch, you can, there's some on there you can pay for or whatever. Uh, but these are the, the free ones. Um, I watch, There's more on there that I want to watch than, than there is on Netflix. So that's kind of odd that I'm paying for Netflix. But usually here lately with Netflix, it's because of uh, their series. And then that um, movie Siege at Jakotaville uh, or whatever. Uh, I think that's what it was called about the uh, um, uh, goddamn... Belgians or whatever in Africa. It's a good movie. Uh, that's one that I watched. I recommend that one too. It's a Netflix original, I think. Um, it it showed in some theater somewhere. I don't know if it was in Europe or where, but it was really good. Another siege movie that I forgot about that I did not write down. But this movie is called uh, in, The Indian Fighter, 1955, and um, I think they put it on there just because uh, Kirk just turned 100 years old, and this is a Kirk Douglas movie from 1955. Directed by Andre Toth. Um, I really thought this was really good. Um, Kirk is a hero in this, but um, you know, they had some weird shit back in these days where um, in these old westerns and old movies where like the hero has like a ton of charisma and shit, and the girl catches his eye and they catch each other's eye and everything, and then the guy almost like forces himself on the chick. Elsa Martinelli, she was fucking hot in this, uh, as Onahati. Uh, of course, they get an Italian uh, lady to play a, a Native American. Uh, um, so that's kind of always, you know, these days you'd look at it like, what? Um, but she's really fucking gorgeous. And um, Kirk, it's almost like a courtship thing where, you know, he's he sees her bathing naked in the river and like fucking creepily sits up and like a voyeur and watches her and then later on he she's getting water at the stream and he comes down and takes his shirt off and shows his muscles and is like washing himself and looking over at her and then he goes over and fucking grabs her and like starts kissing her and she's trying to fight him off and shit and it's like dude you know but then of course they make it all better because the girl fucking always you know relents and just like oh i fought enough now i'm just gonna give in you know but it's still kind of rapey i don't know uh walter i was surprised walter Matthau shows up in this and lon chaney jr they're they're like uh partners in this uh then you have alan hale who is the skipper on uh, alan hale jr i'm sorry the skipper on gilligan's island uh, Elisha Cook Jr., who was in, oh, goddamn, um, that goddamn Sterling Hayden fucking movie where they robbed the, the, uh, 
the racetrack, the killing. And he's also in Electric Glide in Blue. There's I like watching some of these old movies because you you, you see some of these uh, character actors, you you know, just pop up and you're like, holy shit! But this is a pretty good western, you know. It's got some Indians and shit in it, and uh, some asshole cowboys selling some liquor to him, and you know, shit going down. Pretty good. <laughs> I watched. Uh, of course, you know that son of a bitch. My goddamn, this is just like, talk about like old times. I have tonight off, and my goddamn fucking alarm is going off in the kitchen uh, for me to have to go to work, and it's playing the Eagles already gone, and I'm not going to stop, so that goddamn thing's going to be in there playing and playing and playing. But I like that song. You can't hear it, so who cares? Uh, 1978's Animal House, uh, directed by John Landis and written by Harold Ramis, Douglas Kennedy... Uh, most people know this one too. This one is on. Hmm, I don't know if this is on Netflix or comedy. I'm I'm just confused. I can't remember what I watched this on, but I watched it. Uh, great fucking movie. It's it's so fucking fun and just you know what do you call it uh, raunchy. You know when they used to say a movie was raunchy, that would be like an R-rated movie, an R-rated comedy. Man, that's raunchy, <laughs> raunchy. <laughs> John Belushi, fucking the cutest uh, uh, bug in a rug, Karen Allen. You have, um, let's see, who else is in this son of a bitch? Kevin Bacon. Uh, oh, uh, fucking, uh, goddamn, what's his face? <laughs> John Vernon. <laughs> Tim Matheson, uh, who I believe actually bought National Lampoons. This, and when you look this up, it goes by National Lampoons Animal House. Um, this fucking movie's great. You got Bluto. You got the whole goddamn Delta house. Uh, the guy's fucking just getting shit-faced, hammered all the time. Fucking just slobs. Slobs and fucking, uh, you know. And then, of course, now I went to college, and, um, and this movie was put out in, uh, let's see, what, 1978? I went to uh, college in uh, a, a, like uh, 84, 85, and these motherfuckers, uh, people were still doing toga parties, emulating the uh, Animal House, and, uh, you know, of course, you know, Jesus Christ, binge drinking, drinking like a goddamn morons, and, and uh, just being stupid. But it's all fucking hilarious. And, and of course, the, the Deltas, um, no matter what they do, it's justified because they Uber up how big of fucking pieces of shit uh the other fraternity is and and uh dean werner and uh what a what a fucking asshole he is and everything it's just hilarious and the, the one thing that just fucking pissed made me piss my pants laughing just out of the blue was um when uh niedermeyer is fucking with um um flounder and matheson and uh it wasn't tom holtz it was uh what the hell's the other guy's name Oh, fucking, he played Boone. Oh, shit, of course it's not on my IMDb right up here. But anyway, uh, they're sitting up on the hill at the, um, the like football field or whatever, hitting golf balls. And for some reason, when fucking um, uh, Eric Stratton, who is Tim Matheson, hits that goddamn golf ball, and Dean Wormer is sitting at his desk doing paperwork, and that fucking golf ball, because he's got this huge glass pitcher of water, and that golf ball hits <laughs> It's just like, like he does. <laughs> I don't know. That's just 
fucking cracks me the fuck. <laughs> Just the look on his fucking face. <laughs> oh my god, I need a drink. Mm. Ah, it tastes good. <laughs> but anyway, that fucking for some reason, and I don't know why it's. <laughs> Oh, moving along, and then of course uh, Mandy Pepperidge and um, you know the 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 the, uh, the fucking stuck up fucking chicks in it uh, are are fucking they're stuck up and they're bitches but they're fucking hot, and I remember the first time I watched this. <laughs> I watched it on HBO with my aunt, my mom's sister, who's a school teacher, and it was me and my sisters, and I think my cousin and my aunt, and we're watching the goddamn Animal House, and it's on HBO, here's my aunt sitting there, she's as prim and proper, you know, just as straight as a goddamn, you know, goes to church and all this shit, and the scene where Belushi climbs up the ladder, <clears throat> and I think it's that Mandy Pepperidge, uh, gets up there. Is, it might have been Babs. There was Babs and Mandy Pepperidge. I don't know which one it was. I can't remember now. But she goes up to her. Of course, all the chicks are having a, a, a nude, topless pillow fight. Then she goes into her own room and starts freaking getting off. I'm probably thinking about Eric Stratton because um, what's his face? Um, need, or, um, uh, Greg Marmalard. <laughs> <laughs> fucking every girl he goes out with he's just sitting in a car and they're sitting there talking and you don't know what's going on and then all of a sudden the girl goes is this supposed to be this soft and she's like jacking him off and he can't get a heart on that was awesome I mean, she's wearing a rubber glove because she's so fucking uptight and fucking prissy okay <laughs> but I'll be just watching that it's like watching um uh, oh shit what were we watching at one time I watched uh I think Eddie Murphy's first uh concert video with my dad, and my dad was the guy that was always like, all they do in these movies is cuss, you know, and then I'm sitting there watching that, and he's on the couch behind me, and I got my back to him, and I mean, Eddie Murphy is just saying every goddamn word to book, and the Mr. T shit, I just, <laughs> I remember snorting and just fucking have tears rolled down my face because I was trying not to laugh, and he's talking about Mr. T, and you know, come on over here, <laughs> parents are funny, anyway, I watched, um, this movie is in the 1966, uh, Triple Cross. This is a World War II movie, and it was directed by Terrence Young, and stars Christopher Plummer, and, uh, Romy Schneider, and, uh, Trevor Howard, and, uh, Yul Brynner. I think the reason I got this one was because, for some reason, I kind of went on a Yul Brynner kick. I like Yul Brynner, and I like to watch stuff he's in. Um, so anyway... I think I had seen this a long time ago, and I don't think I watched it all the way through for some reason. I don't know why. Um, I will say this. Nowadays, in the last, like, say, ten years or more, I mean, everything Christopher Plummer's in, I'm like, man, oh, fuck, he's great, da 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 I don't like him as much in these roles where he's younger. I don't know why. First of all, I would have to confirm this with somebody, but... Uh, I, it seemed to me like he was wearing a wig, like a like a toupee or something, because his hairline. It just I don't know. It just didn't look right. Uh, I don't know, and that distracted me. <clears throat> but I don't. I, I just he just seems to have so much more charisma now as an old man than he did back then. 
But, I mean, it's still a good movie. Uh, it's based on this uh, true story about this guy who was a bank robber, uh, Eddie Chapman. And um, he had this kind of this gang, and he, he had some kind of a formula where he would, he would blow, up, blow open these, uh, these safes and shit or go into, into people's homes or, like, these rich people's houses and blow open their safes. safes. And they had this uh, method where they would have, like, a goddamn, almost like a marching band or something, or like a you know four piece band or something outside of the place they were robbing, and they would park a car in front of it that was modified so it would continually backfire and like it was broken down. So when it would do, be doing these backfires, then when he would blow the safe, nobody would suspect you know hearing the, that sound. But that's at the very first you know like for five minutes of the movie. But anyway, so it, it's um, the British get him. And they kind of give him an offer he can't refuse um, as far as uh, uh, helping them with some uh, espionage, I guess, uh, against the Germans. And then he goes and kind of sells his um, sells himself to the Germans that he's going to work for them to if they pay him enough to go against the British. So, of course, the movie's called Triple Cross. So it's like, who's who's he which master is he really serving and you know he makes friends with uh yul brenner who is a a german general and uh so it it, you kind of have um each side kind of suspecting or wondering you know is he really for us is he really for because he's a kind of a piece of shit character a con man you know uh criminal uh, so you know the story's pretty good. This would be one that would be good for a, a remake, I think. You know, um, was I don't know Christopher. He was he was good, but I, I, I just like Cary Grant or somebody like that. I, I don't know who, but I mean somebody. He just for some reason I don't know what it is. He just wasn't to me as good when he was younger as he is now. So that's all I have to say about that. But it's worth a watch. Uh, now this movie, um, another one that I haven't seen in a long time. Used to play on, I think, like HBO and shit. Uh, Desperate Measures from 1998. And this is uh, Michael Keaton and Andy Garcia. Uh, This is when Andy Garcia, there for a while, I think it was, um, let's see, I'm trying to think what the first thing he was really took off in. I know he was in that that one with uh, Richard Gere about the the corrupt cops. And, um, of course, Black Rain, Baby. Babe and Baby, where him and Michael Douglas. But there was a point in time there where Andy Garcia, uh, Eight Million Ways to Die with Jeff Bridges, and uh, he was really hot, and he was getting some, you know, pretty a pretty big push. Now um, he's a good-looking guy and everything. And Michael Keaton was, uh, you know, of course in Batman, that was his big, uh, and uh, the the uh, thing with Henry Winkler with the love brokers and all that. Um, <clears throat> this was directed by Barbe Schroeder. Schroeder, uh, written by David Class. Um, Also has Brian Cox in it, who, this is 1998, and Brian Cox looks about the same as he does now, which is kind of weird and, you know, kind of funny. Marsha Gate Harden is in this, too. Um, I don't know. It seemed to me like they were kind of working on, there was a, after, like, Silence of the Lambs, um, you kind of had these movies where they always wanted to have some 
serial killer or something like that that's like a criminal mastermind or like a genius they had a Sean there was a Sean Connery movie where Ed Harris kind of played that part with Sean Connery and Lawrence Fishburne um, you know he's kind of like a Hannibal Lecter kind of a guy he's so smart and you know can outwit everybody and everybody in the prison the guards and everything are like you know be careful what you say to him or you know uh, don't talk to him don't touch him don't go near him blah 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 Andy Garcia's son needs a bone marrow transplant, and uh, he's him and this other cop sneak in this place, and uh, they find out you know where the closest match or donor is or whatever, and it's this creep, um, Peter McCabe, who is a killer in in prison. Looked like I, I'm not for sure, sure about this. Uh, Michael Keaton's from Pittsburgh, and for some reason I I thought I I thought it looked like Pittsburgh in some of the scenes, but I think I read somewhere that it was actually in Canada. Um, no, let's see. Uh, in front of the hospital is really one Mellon Bank Center located on Grant Street. Yeah, that's Pittsburgh. So I was going to say, I, I thought I recognized my Pittsburgh. I, you know, pretty much uh, grew up around, not you know, I'm an hour and a half away, but spent a lot of time up there. Um, this, uh, there's some stuff in it that's kind of stupid. Uh, you know that they would go to this length, and uh, Andy Garcia kind of. Uh, I guess if if uh, you can't get bone marrow from a dead person, as soon as the person's killed, something happens to the bone marrow; they can't use it. So here's this piece of shit, you know, trying to break out, and the cops are wanting to kill him. But Andy Garcia knows that his son's life depends on this Peter McCabe guy not being killed. So he's kind of almost working against the cops, but. You know, it's, it puts him in several situations where, you know, Michael Keaton's character is going to kill somebody, and it's like, okay, you know, you're weighing your son's life against, you know, this person who he's going to slit their throat or something. It's worth a watch. It's a it's an average movie. You know, uh, I remember the previews look really good. I remember that when they showed the trailer on TV. But it's 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 just okay. You know, it's one of those. It's just like Switchback. It's kind of middle of the road. It's better than average, but you know. Next movie I watched was a Charlton Heston movie uh, with Jack Palance, uh, Arrowhead from 1953, and uh, this is another cowboy western movie. Um, I really like this. Uh, the only thing that that I don't like some of these movies that are uh, the straight up uh, like 1950s uh, cowboy movies is um, a lot of them really go out of their way to make the Native Americans look like pieces of shit. You know, like crazy killers or whatever. Um, you sort now, now the one with um, Kirk Douglas, um, Indian killer or whatever the hell it was called, fighter, Indian fighter. It showed a, a good side of the Native Americans. Um, uh, now this one, <sighs> Charlton Heston's character is like a a. Um, it's the the whole movie is like a, what do you call it? Um, plays or like a not homage but um, gives a, a nod to uh, these these Indians these scouts like Kit Carson and uh, I'm trying to think who else uh, Al Sieber who was one of the guys that helped him find Geronimo with uh, Tom Horn and uh, but some of those guys like that um, and that's what uh, Charlton Heston's character is I think based on that Al Sieber who uh, Richard Widmark played in the David Carradine made-for-TV movie, Mr. Horn. Um, but, 
you get the one side of the Native American thing in this, which is, um, you know, that these, the white man comes along and they want to round everybody up and basically <coughs> send them to these reservations. And, and like some of the, the, the places they sent them to, like in Florida, were just, you know, full of mosquitoes and swamp. And, you know, it's almost like a concentration camp. Um, so they're treated like shit. But Heston, if you've seen The Searchers with John Wayne, sort of almost how his character is. He's a pretty racist motherfucker when it comes to Native Americans. And um, uh, Jack Palance is um, Toriano. And he goes away uh, to get educated at the like the white man's school, college and shit. And uh, he comes back and um, this one dude that's um, in the town, he was like best friends with him as little boys, you know, before they could get uh, their heads filled full of fucking racism and hate. And so when he's waiting for Toriano to come back, because he's like, he's my blood brother, you know, we're like we're like brothers and everything. Well, <clears throat> of course, Charlton Heston's like, he's an Apache. You know, and Apaches are no good. They're all pieces of shit. They're all murderers, and they'll slit your throat, and blah, 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 blah. And um, that guy's like, you know, you're a dick. <laughs> well, then, of course, when... Uh, <clears throat> When Toriano comes back, Jack Palance, when he comes back, uh, he kind of proves, you know, he's he wants to stir up everybody and start a war and start killing people and shit. So, you know, Heston can say, yeah, you know, he's right and everything. Now, Jack Palance, or Palance, I don't know what the fuck, how the correct pronunciation, but this guy is fucking built like he is fucking cut out of granite. I think my alarm stopped. Anyway, um... He just is in fucking great shape and has his shirt off the whole fucking time. He just fucking, like I said, he just chiseled. So you can't wait to see him and Chuck throw down, you know, because Charlton Heston, he's a big macho motherfucker with a hairy chest and a big buck fucking teeth and shit. <laughs> now, Charlton Heston wears these uh, Confederate uh, soldier pants, which, of course, you know, he works for the Army and they give him shit about it. It's like, well, you know, why are you wearing those Johnny Reb uh, uh, trousers? You know, you never were any further. Um, like he was always out west. He was never in the Civil War. And he goes, because I like the color gray. And you know, it's probably because he's a fucking racist. So he figured, you know, if you can't beat him, join him or whatever. That doesn't even make sense. Anyway, Brian Keith is in this too. Him and Chuck. Uh, Brian Keith has a woman, and he's getting. He wants to marry her. He's a uh, like a. Is he a sergeant or he's a captain? He um he's gonna marry this girl. Well, of course Charlton Heston, you know she she kind of wants to suck his dick, and <laughs> and him and Brian Keith don't get along. But meanwhile, even though Chuck uh, is causing problems for um, for uh, Brian Keith and his woman, and this chick, uh, I'm trying to think what her name was. Maybe it was that Mary Sinclair. Um, hmm. I think that was who it was. She wears this one dress, and man, it it's it's pretty hot. Uh, kind of does something for the boobies. Um, but even though Chuck is like hitting, like kind of like putting out his uh, scent or whatever to this to Brian Keith's woman, uh, he's got this fucking uh, Nita, who is this uh, half Apache, half Mexican uh, woman that is like his woman. So he's just a piece of shit. He's a racist, and he's a fucking piece of shit. 
And Milburn Stone is in this, who who played Doc on uh, Gunsmoke. Just have to throw that in there. But this is worth watching. I mean, it's kind of, I like watching Jack Palanza. You know, no matter what Charlton Heston's politics were or whatever, I still like watching his fucking movies. He's got that charisma of Charlton Heston and them big fucking teeth. <laughs> I love it playing of the Ace so you walk around in a goddamn loincloth. You know, his fucking balls <laughs> Anyway, you know he thought he was a shit man, you know, the fucking hairy chest and stuff. <laughs> okay, next thing I watched was 2011's Drive Angry uh, with Nicolas Cage. This dude is fucking, I will say this about Nicolas Cage, I bet you he's a fun fucking guy to hang out with, especially if you like movies, because you know he likes fucking, likes movies and, um, like, grindhouse stuff and, and, um, so this is kind of his like homage to these old uh, driving movies. So yeah, kind of had something going on there with this and Death Proof. Oh, Jesus Christ, I forgot how these headphones make fucking push into my glasses on my ears. Um, but now, I just, for some reason, I thought, you know what? I feel like watching this movie, and it's fucking entertaining as shit. You have uh, Fickner again in this, and he plays the accountant uh, from someplace. I won't say in case you haven't watched it. And uh, Nicolas Cage plays... Uh, uh, John Milton, and uh, you know Nicholas Cage, dude, lay off the fucking uh, hair dye. Okay, now in this movie, of course, for some reason, he said he thought his he wanted his character to have like bleach, kind of bleach blonde hair, which it does. It looks funky, but you know it's it's weird. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about now. He's one of these dudes that dyes his fucking beard and his hair like fucking almost black, and it looks stupid because he's fucking you know he looks like Ronald Reagan or something. Uh, Amber Heard is in this, and no matter what Sammy says about her uh, Daisy Dukes, Jesus Christ, she's fucking good looking. Uh, she, I, honest to God, I'm watching this, and every time she's on the scene, I'm like, holy Jesus Christ, she is fucking stunning. Um, and the thing I like about her is they kind of have her playing kind of a white trash chick, but she she's not like a a damsel in distress. I mean, they put her in situations where it's kind of like that, but she's like ready to fight. I mean, she tells... Um, Billy Burke, who plays Jonah King, this head of this cult, he's like a Jim Jones kind of a guy. I mean, he's going to rape her, uh, and she's just like, you know, you may ra- you may fucking do what you're going to do, but I'm going to fuck you up. And she's like fucking kicks him in the fucking nuts, and she's like punching like a man and everything. And even with her boyfriend at the beginning, man, she's she's ready to go. She fucking throwing down. So I kind of like that. Uh, it's got some cool cars in it. I like the whole. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, supernatural part of this, um, with every you know, just the whole thing. You know, it's it's not just a car movie, but it has this kind of nasty ass, um, badass uh, supernatural stuff uh, that's not too over the top. Um, and um, Tom uh, Adkins is in this. He plays a a uh, kind of a dickhead cop. Uh, you know, when I, his, his saying is, when I tell you to shoot the tars, and he always says, instead of saying tires, he says tars. When I tell you to shoot the tars on his car, I mean, shoot him in the head. And then when Nicholas Cage comes, he goes, gentlemen, shoot the tars, you know, so it's just stupid shit like that. And, uh, Nicholas Cage fucking while he's having a gunfight. I mean, Jesus Christ. I don't know if that girl, man, she was shaved down to the, 
down to the the uh, I don't know what you know because she was riding him and she's like he's fucking her and she's like why don't you take your clothes off and he's like I don't take my clothes off when I'm going to be in a gunfight and the next thing you know he's fucking shooting all these guys break in and he's fucking shooting and rolling around still fucking her the whole time which is pretty fucking cool if you ask me if I could say that I did that that's on my bucket list. <laughs> Next thing I watched was 1977, Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger. Uh, this was on uh, this, uh, the channel This, T-H-I-S, exclamation point, uh, directed by Sam Wanamaker and written by Beverly Cross. And uh, it stars Patrick Wayne, which is John Wayne's son. You've seen him in Big Jake and, uh, oh, Green Berets, a lot of John Wayne movies. <laughs> and I think he made a movie with... Uh, Christopher Mitchum, too. They were like buddies in real life, I believe. Um, also, man, talk about stunning. Jane Seymour. Very young Jane Seymour is in this. And holy cannoli. she She's wearing like one of those, uh, you know, of course, this takes place back in the pirate times and stuff. And she's got like a little bikini top on and this little like a uh, belly dancer kind of outfit. And God damn. Woo-ha! Jesus! Uh, of course, uh, this is, uh, I think, Ray Harryhausen. Uh, did the uh, claymation shit in this. And it's just awesome. Um, you know what? This is one of those movies that um, I remember seeing the trailer for this when I was a little kid on TV. And, of course, this is before CGI and all this stuff. And, you know, they showed this gorilla thing with a with a goddamn uh, fucking, like, a unicorn horn and a fight and a goddamn saber-toothed tiger. And... Back then, when you're a little kid, and they didn't have stuff like—I mean, like you know—you had Planet of the Apes, which was known for its uh, makeup and everything. But these weren't. This wasn't even makeup. This, you know, and I was like, God, Jesus Christ! I want to go see this so fucking bad. It was just awesome. It, I had, to, honest to God, I had the same reaction when I saw the trailer for Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger that I did when I saw the um, the trailer at the movie theater for um, Star Wars. You know, of course that you know. You know can't match two up but i mean it's it's uh, old school claymation kind of a deal there uh, animation but uh jesus christ i mean it, i i love watching it it's just for a uh, almost like a time capsule thing and this is just a fun adventure movie where this dude gets turned into a fucking uh like as a baboon or something and sinbad has to you know help him get him turned back into or some shit. <laughs> but it was fun. I just turned it on and it's like, man, if I can sit in bed in the eye of the tiger, I'm going to watch this motherfucker. So I gave it a look. Patrick Wayne, you know, that fucker was good looking, you know. That's one thing about him. Like, his dad's John Wayne. John Wayne liked uh, Spanish women. And so I think, I don't know how many times he was married, but, uh, uh, you know, John Wayne's like six foot four and great big guy, craggy and everything. He was a handsome guy when he was young, though. But Patrick Wayne definitely took at more after his um, mother, I think, because he's just this, he has these dark features, but he looks like a goddamn model, you know, it's not somebody that you would think would be like John Wayne, like Robert Mitchum's son, well, there was Chris, Christopher Mitchum, and uh, the, the one looked just like Robert Mitchum, Christopher Mitchum kind of looks like Robert Mitchum, but he always had that long fucking blonde hair. So it was kind of like those dudes. It's like Peter Fonda, you know, those kind of guys. Their dads were these these iconic guys, and they, they're kind of like the young, you know, good-looking guys that uh, that probably could never beat their dad's ass or whatever. 
Anyway, well, I don't even know what the, who cares. Uh, <laughs> next thing I watched was 1996 The Rock, uh, starring Sean Connery. This is a Michael Bay movie, uh, direct, uh, written uh, by David Weisen, Weisberg and Douglas Cook. Um, I love this movie. This one and um, Con Air will just forever be linked together for me. Two great Nicolas Cage movies. Um, holy shit, I just fucking, this movie is just so much fun for me. Sean Connery, you know, uh, after all the James Bond stuff and everything coming back, almost playing like a James Bond uh, in exile kind of character, which, you know, I even, I thought it was just me. I, when I watched this, I thought, man, that would be so cool if they hinted that uh, this John Patrick Mason guy was James Bond and that the Americans had captured him trying to steal secrets and had kept him in prison or whatever for all this time. And some other people on some of the message boards and uh, Facebook groups and stuff like that, there were a few other people that, that either speculated or said they thought it would have been cool too, that if they would have just kind of gave you a little breadcrumb. And if if you want to think that way, you know, and you think of the James, as James Bond as being a um, designation that they give different, the, the top agent of each generation then John Patrick Mason could have been James Bond, which would have been cool as shit uh, Stanley Goodspeed is funny as hell, Nicolas Cage hams it up and it's, he's just awesome in this I like Ed Harris's character as uh, General Francis X. Hummel um, I think he was uh, based on uh, god damn it, not Hathcock the sniper, but uh, oh shit, I can't remember what the guy's name is I have a, I have his book down in the basement big thick Vietnam book that was really uh, famous book. I don't know if it's called About Face. I can't remember. Anyway, whatever. He was like a. They always. He was like one of a talking head all the time on the political shows and Hack. Not Hackworth. Yeah, David A. Hackworth. I think is what his name is. Um. Anyway. Uh. Ba 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 ba. You have William Forsyth, who, like I said, uh, he was a. Uh, also shows up in. Um, I want to say Penny Dreadful, but it was uh, Boardwalk Empire that I've been watching. Uh, and he's really good in this, too. Just kind of has a small part as a, an FBI guy, but he's awesome. Uh, like uh, Michael Bean uh, as the Navy SEAL, head of the Navy SEALs. Um, I like Michael Bean in this, uh, and I liked him in uh, The Abyss, where he plays a crazy Navy SEAL. It's pretty cool. Tony Todd, who is like a big, uh, he's always at all the horror hounds and shit. Uh, wasn't he like Candyman or something? Um, but anyway, I just like this. I like the whole premise of it. It's uh, that the, the fucking car chase in San Francisco is just ridiculous. It, but it's fun. It's funny. It's stupid, but it's fun. Um, hearing Sean Connery sing in the shower. If you're going to San Francisco, don't forget to wear flowers in your hair. You know, that's just fucking awesome. Um, so many iconic lines like, you must never hesitate. And, uh, you know, Carla was the fucking home, homecoming queen. And, uh, you know, it's just a great fucking movie. This I could watch this motherfucker fucking all, like, all the time. Uh, another war movie from 2001. Watch Black Hawk Down. Um, this is another movie along with Hurt Locker. Well, first of all, my friend Brian, who was in, like, Afghanistan, he hates Hurt, Hurt Locker because he said it's stupid and unrealistic and uh, the guy if a uh, guy never would act like that, whatever. Um, he hates Black Hawk Down just because of all the shit that happened and it just makes him mad. Um, but this is a good movie. Uh, really, you know, like, what's his name? Uh, fucking... Uh, 
Saving Private Ryan, when they stormed the beaches uh, during D-Day invasion and all the realistic uh, violence and everything. This is one of those movies that has a lot of that. Just fucking hairy as hell fucking combat. Uh, it has a ton of fucking people in it. That's one thing about this movie when you watch it um, is just seeing everybody that's in it. They must have just went and put like a call and said, this movie's going to be really good. Who wants to be in it? You got uh, Josh Hartnett, um, who I, I never really liked until I saw him in Penny Dreadful. And in, and uh, he's uh, the, like the main, the main guy in this. Ewan McGregor, Tom Sizemore, Eric Bana, William Fickner. Goddamn, that's like the third fucking movie I've watched with him in it. Sam Shepard, Kim Coates, uh, Hugh Darcy. Um, let's see, who else? There's a shitload of fucking people. I think um, Tom... Um, God damn it. Tom Hardy is in this. Um, Buddy Ravel from fucking 3 O'Clock High is in this. You know, there's some... Uh, yeah, I don't know if I would call this a rah-rah, sis-boom-bah movie because the Americans pretty much get their fucking asses handed to them, but it still kind of is. Because, like, you know, the, the uh, hoorah uh, uh, patriotism kind of thing is in this. But it's still a good movie. Um, it just makes me glad that I never had to fucking be in a war. Um, although, Jesus Christ, the way things are going. <laughs> Who knows? I watched this fucking movie called Wanted from 2008. And I have expressed my opinion on this several times that I do not like this movie. Um... I don't know. It's just stupid, but again, it's another... I guess it was based on a graphic novel, I think. I like Angelina Jolie in this, although she's really skinny and she has those fucking weird wrists and big hands and uh, big thick wrists for real skinny arms. She kind of has arms like giant Baba. Um, But um, James McAvoy... um, is the star of this and Morgan Freeman. You have Terrence Stamp. Common is in this, you know, which will make all the people on the right's heads fucking spin because Common's in it. Chris Pratt is in the Star Lord. Um, but it's not, a, it's not a, I don't know. You just, it's one of those ones you just kind of have to turn your brain off. And um, there's a secret society and uh, of like assassins and uh, they shoot guns like they're throwing a fucking frisbee or something. And, they have to beat the fucking shit out of you and then put you in this vat of cum that gets real hard and crusty and when you come out, you're recovered. And they just beat you and beat you and beat you, tie you to your chair and just beat the fuck out of you over and over and over and over and over. And Angelina Jolie gets out of one of these tubs and with the, to show off her, I think at the time she had just gotten this big tattoo that covered her whole back, but she's really so, she's really fucking skinny. I mean, she's beautiful, but Jesus Christ, you know, I don't know. She got too damn fucking skinny for my, for my taste, baby. Morgan Freeman, uh, you know, always like hearing him fucking talk. If you didn't, he wouldn't be on so many goddamn commercials. Um, you know, I don't know why it was on TV. I think that's why I watched it. Because my friend Greg watches it. He only has about four or five DVDs. One of them is, um, Fury, which he calls furry. I don't know why. It's not trying to be funny. He he says, I said, what, Greg, what are you watching? I'm watching that furry. Um, wanted. Fistful of Dollars. And the shitty uh, Indiana Jones movie with Shia LaDouche. And he will watch his fuckers over and over and over. And it drives me crazy. 
Uh, anyway, next thing was another the uh, from a Yul Brenner Fest, and I don't think William Fickner is in this, but uh, it's called Double Man from 1967. Um, this is a spy movie with uh, Yul Brenner and Britt Eklund, who is pretty hot in this. Um, pretty much, this kind of is like uh, goes along the lines of um, Triple Cross. Yul Brenner is a is a spy, and he's kind of I don't know if I would say he's not retired, but he's um, someone kills his son, and even though it's an accident or looks like an accident, because he is who he is, he's fucking paranoid and trained to be paranoid and never to trust anything at face value or anybody. So he suspects that, you know, wait a minute, you know, my son's killed. I, this is bullshit. I'm going to go find out what happens. Uh, and some stuff goes down. Like I said, almost, um, I don't want to give anything away because this is kind of an obscure one. So a lot of people probably haven't seen it. It's a middle of the road one. It's like I said, a little bit better than average, probably like a six, but it's worth a watch. If you like Yul Brenner and you like uh kind of espionage movies, um, Got some, uh, got some violence in it. Got some violence against women in it. Against Britt Eklund. <laughs> she was a good-looking chick. Um, but anyway, I think that this one, uh, when I was looking for Yul Brenner movies, came up, and and I believe that might have been where I got Triple Cross. Because on iTunes, when you find something, it'll it'll recommend like movies have sort of a similar thing. And uh, this one comes down to last, so I'm winding down to the end of the shoe. Um, it's Red Heat from 1988 with uh, Jim Belushi and Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, directed and written by Walter Hill. This movie is just as fun fun as shit. Uh, it's got a lot of good homoerotic stuff in it at the very beginning, which is awesome. And then you have uh, the, um, I don't know, kind of hateful... Uh, banter, macho banter between you know the two partners, which are Ivan Danko and Art Ridzik, who is Jim Belushi, as James Belushi. Oh, give me a break! It's like Rick Schroeder and Ricky Schroeder, whatever. Peter Boyle is also in this, which I watched. What did I watch that had Peter Boyle in it? Taxi Driver. Lawrence Fishburne shows up in this one, and Gina Gershon with her overbite, uh, which every man drools to put something. I don't know. I shouldn't even say that. It's pretty gross. Uh, Brian James. And you have um, Kim, the wrestler Kim Duck, who was uh, Tiger Tiger Chung Lee from WWF, but he was Kim Duck, uh, the Korean assassin in Mid-Atlantic when I started watching wrestling. Oh, my God. This was back in, like, 75, 76. Uh, he was... Man, uh, Professor Boris Malenko, who wrestled as the great Malenko uh, and was Dean Malenko's dad, after he got out of, you know, in ring work, he became a manager and he was Professor Boris Malenko and he was a real cheap motherfucker. And, uh, <laughs> but he, uh, he managed the uh, mass superstar and uh, the Mongols who were Mass Superstar was one of the Mongols, but then when they broke up the Mongols, he put on a mask and became Mass Superstar. And nobody knew who the fuck he was because he wrestled a totally different style. But Kim Duck was also somebody that uh, um, Professor Boris Malenko managed. And there is a good match on YouTube between him and 
Chief Wahoo McDaniel, who was my favorite. And they both just chopped the fuck out of each other. But anyway, Kim Duck is in this, and at the beginning, when you um, see Arnold, he uh, infiltrates this bathhouse. <laughs> and they don't give him a towel, like a whole towel to wrap around their waist. They just have a string that goes around their waist and a, and a uh, fucking, like it looks like a, a white flag that hangs down in front of their cock. So when they go and they start brawling and fighting, you can like it, when they catch some see- shots from behind, you can see their nuts. <laughs> and then of course I love the scene at the beginning with the um, cocaine, you know, in the guy's leg. You think he puts him in a fucking like a uh, ankle lock and snaps his ankle, but the guy's got a wooden leg. The 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 stuff between um, Jim Belushi and uh, Schwarzenegger, they make a fucking pretty good pair. I, I don't know. I, I I would fucking enjoy seeing them back together in fucking like an old folks home or something i don't know i hate when they do that like take two old guys that were like bad like kind of macho badasses and then they put them in a movie where they're like 80 years old and they're still punching out like young guys but they they get out of breath or their hemorrhoids hurt or something i was just seeing this uh fucking uh ryan gosling uh what you would call it, uh, musical coming out. I don't know. I might check that out. I dig the Gosling. I know Jake fucking doesn't like him, but Jake is only, but then Jake expresses that he's only seen like two movies with Ryan Gosling in it. So anyway, take it for what it is, Jake. Um, just a couple other things. Uh, I started reading, uh, the manga Helsing, uh, and I fucking loved it. I got on, um, things from another world and they have a nick dent uh category which is just like ones that maybe the cover has a little bend in it or something you can get them pretty cheap and uh i got helsing number two and number four because i thought well you know if i don't like them i don't give a shit i'll just it didn't cost very much well i read the number two and it was so fucking good that i was like holy shit i'm not going to read number four because i want to go back and get one and three so i ordered those Again on Amazon, they're real. They were real fucking cheap. Um, that's fucking great. Now, my friend, this guy I work with, Tom, gave me a um, like a thing for his account for this uh, anime um, uh, internet channel where you can get on there and you pay like seven bucks a month. You and they just have tons of them on there. And and um, he's like, oh, you know, I tell him about Helsing. He goes, oh, it's on there. You got to watch it. And I almost don't want to watch it because I want to read it. So, and then uh, I got one when I was at the beach. I actually called Jake uh, <laughs> from Cult of Muscle on my cell phone uh, because I was in the Borders or some fucking bookstore, and they had an end cap with Tokyo Ghoul on the end cap. And I called him because he is the master of Asian cinema and Asia, every, all things Asian. So I called him and said, is this any good? And I, I think I even took like a picture with my, my cell phone and sent it to him. And he hadn't seen it or whatever, uh, or read it. So I got that. And it's really good, too. I really like it. It doesn't uh, it really doesn't bother me to read uh, from right to left and all that. Um, then, uh, let's see, what else was I reading? Uh, Witcher from Dark Horse Comics. Pretty good. I like Dark Horse. Uh, some They have some superhero stuff, but I like... Uh, like uh, a lot of their more occult kind of based books because it's just different. I'm kind of getting really burnt out. Not only burnt out, but just kind of really irritated by Marvel. They're, they're sh- some of their stuff is just shit. 
it's just the same shit all over again. This superhero crap where two, you know, these guys are best, these guys are like fucking best friends. They've known each other for years, and as soon as they see each other, they have to start fucking pounding on each other. I'm tired of this Civil War crap. I'm tired of this fucking uh, big summer crossover stuff that just goes on and on and on forever that just means nothing. It's just fucking stupid. Um, so some of these uh, Marvel subscriptions that I'm reading are going to go down the tubes. I, I, I'm thinking I'm, I'm going to stick with Luke uh, with uh, Power Man and Iron Fist because it's it's just different. It's got a different kind of feel to it, like a black exploitation kind of feel to it. I really like that. Uh, a lot of the books that I read, if I like them, like A Force, they fucking cancel the sign of a bitches. I got a thing the other day that said something about I had like one issue of uh, the new Hulk. Uh, comic. I call. I always say book. Somebody asked me the other day on the on the gentleman's guide to comics. I said something about uh, I got some new books in, and they're like, "You got books or comics?" Well, I always call my comics books, so don't get confused. But um, you know that Incredible Hulk. I got a subscription to it, and I think they probably canceled the motherfucker, and have been. They'll send you something else, and you don't even know it. I mean, you know you're getting something else, but you forget that you know what the original was. I don't know. Marvel's just fucked up. They have some good stuff, but boy, they're putting out some garbage. Yeah, some venom coming out of me there. Um, let's see. Got some shout oots since we haven't been podcasting in a long time. Uh, first is to Justice's First Dawn. Uh, this is the um, fairly new uh, comics podcast by Mike Peacock. AKA Metal Mikey. I, when I listened to the show, I noticed he's just going by Mike Peacock now, so I didn't want to uh, insult him by saying Mike Metal Mikey, even though I still call Jake Jake McLarge huge. Maybe I shouldn't do that either. Uh, Paleo Cinema, Terry Frost. Uh, give that one a listen. That's one of the best ones out there. Um, talks about you know music and movies. Talks about just classic movies. Um, if you like, you know stuff from the the good old days that are just fucking awesome fucking movies. He has turned me on to a lot of shit. And, um, you know, when I was on his show, several times we reviewed movies. Just picked, like, some old um, Rod Taylor movies or something like that that I'd never seen. And, and I just love that, that era from, the like, the 50s and 60s. Um, Cult of Muscle, CDR, and Jake. Just Jake. Um, they have been running wild my god they've been fucking going strong now for quite a while they were the new kids on the block after uh jake uh and his podcast next thing is a gentleman's guide to midnight cinema bringing class trash since 1977 uh i'll be honest with you guys i got out of listening to movie podcast you know i mean you all know that hell i listen to our own podcast fucking over and over and over and for some reason I don't know if I don't think I got burnt out I just got sidetracked with um, listening to like Gilbert Gottfried's colossal movie podcast and um, he just has so many fucking people on there he picks the most obscure or you know just people that were on TV shows that you know maybe weren't like the huge like he had well I mean Hal Linden was the lead in Barney Miller but I mean he had him on there people that have he always laughs and says that the, that his show is the his the last stop before somebody dies because he gets these people that you know 
nobody's talked to from like maybe like the 50s or you know the 40s and Bruce the one with Bruce Dern was just fucking excellent so I encourage everybody to listen to Gilbert's podcast uh, Gentleman's Guide still you know fucking great um, I guess they've been having some a lot of guest hosting going on there just from uh, you know life getting in the way and just like us with the jobs and stuff getting in the way uh, understand it's still going strong like I said I'll be honest with you uh, I haven't been listening to hardly anybody's podcast. Uh, I, I am shamed to say that, but I will also say haven't been listening to ours either, but we haven't been putting anything out. Feminine Critique with Emily and Christine. Awesome. Uh, they give that uh, feminine perspective, daddy-o. Uh, and uh, Talk Without Rhythm podcast with El Goro over there in uh, that there uh, Kent, Ohio, getting uh, deluged with uh, some snow here recently. I understand. Um, so anyway, I just thought I would uh, had the night off after listening to Mike Peacock on Justice First Dawn. I thought, you know what? Kind of miss doing this podcast thing. I'm going to put something down. Uh, people have been asking several different times uh, when we were going to put something else out. I actually commented the other day that I was retired. Uh, kind of felt bad about that, but, you know, um, I don't know. Might be putting out some more solos. Maybe we'll do another one together. We'll see. But uh, anyway, silver and gold. Uh, this is Dr. Zom. Uh, what? A cop.